You're listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Rogue. Each week we design decks for tournament play. We put our creation to the test and share our findings on the air. On this episode, we'll take a look at a challenge-winning game objects deck from the modern format and the orcish invasion from the Blacklands of Mordor. What doom does this portend for the upcoming Pro Tour? Then we'll hop over to the Pioneer format where David's expertise has secured him multiple trophies in the last while, and we'll take a look at his next pet card, God Eternal Kefnet. Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. Tonight, our lovely CBO is not joining us. However, there's three of us still. Of course, I'm joined by beautiful David. How are you doing, David? Good, how are you? All great. Been a, been a few days since we have... A few days? A few months since we have recorded together. Yeah, but the, uh, you know, there isn't a river long enough that doesn't contain a bend. Uh, here we are again. Hmm. <laughs> And of course, never to be underestimated, from some studio who knows where is traveling around the States, we have Ma- Zachary Mara Symbol. No, I'm back from, uh, from my visit to the United States of America. It's uh, once again a beautiful country. I went to the flattest, most uh, open part of it, the, uh, the Midwest. Uh, I actually visited three separate states, uh, Nebraska, Iowa, and Missouri, although Iowa, I was only in through convenience, basically. At first, I thought he said you were at Sun Studios. He said from some studio, so that's... No, some studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, it was some studio. Recording no, at, Sun at Sun Studios would be awesome in Memphis. <laughs> that would be really yeah. cool. That's that's in Mississippi, right? No, uh, it's, it's in Memphis. Oh, Memphis. There yeah. we go. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've, I I haven't not yet been walking in Memphis, but I, I've heard it's quite the thing. Memphis, uh, Memphis is a terrible, terrible city, but Sun Studios <laughs> is super awesome. It's a super awesome tour if people make it to Memphis. It's definitely worth your time. It's like forty five minutes. It's like ten bucks. Good times. Cool. What is it? Sun Studios is where Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, yeah. Oh, Johnny Cash, uh, Roy Orbison, and uh, Johnny Cash were first recorded. It's basically the invention yeah. of like quote unquote modern rock and roll. Okay, and and multiple famous artists since then have at some point recorded in Sun Studios, like the Rolling Stones, and then you like, two, like a lot of people who grew up yeah. on music from the fifties, kind of made a pilgrimage there. And okay, good to yeah, know. It's, uh, a lot of those historic studios, uh, they they sort of become places that people record at again and again and again, not because they're actually that great, just because nostalgia you know, and flavor. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 a nostalgic thing. Um, <clears throat> the studio I was in was fantastic. I had a wonderful time. Uh, I was the drummer and cook, so I cooked for like seven or eight people every single day, and it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. It's Aww. like recording drums in the morning, cooking lunch, and then you know whatever happened in the afternoon, whether we were tracking vocals or extra guitars, whatever. It was a great time. Uh, when that album comes out, like twelve months from now, <laughs> uh, I will let people know uh, where they can listen to it. Please do. Glad to hear about. You seem to have had a lovely time. 
I did, and I even got to play some Magic the Gathering. I was sitting in the control room while people were recording other musical instruments, singing their asses off, and I was just sitting there playing MTGO and enjoying the wonderful world that Lord of the Rings has continued to bring to modern, and then uh, once I got sick of that, I played some Legacy. Of course, because why? Why not just go straight to Legacy? Yeah. So uh, we are going to touch on a couple of different formats uh, in the rest of this episode, one of them being Modern, one of them being Pioneer. We're definitely not touching on Legacy, but before we get there, we, as always, have to take care of our housekeeping and just give a big shout out to all the wonderful people who continue to make the Faithless Brewing community strong and and vibrant and vital uh, and uh, join us in our Discord for a pledge as low as $1 a month, something like that. Maybe it's $1 an episode. Whatever it is, we want to thank all the people who go above and beyond that with both their financial contributions, the contributions of energy. Uh, if you're someone like Emmy, uh, who once upon a time was uh, financially strapped, let's say, uh, message any of us. You can find us on, uh, what, what, what is the social media platform? X? Uh, or whatever. <laughs> you can find you, us on whatever. X. <laughs> Formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> formerly, the, the social media platform formerly known as Twitter. You can find the Faithless Brewing podcast there. You can get in touch with us if you're uh, unable to financially contribute. We'll make sure to make you part of the community because really it's just about sharing ideas, sharing brews, and uh, trying to trying to break formats, trying to have a good time. Uh, and uh, Modern has been a great place to do that. Although, uh, to segue into our next discussion topic, it's become completely overrun with orcish bowmasters. Would you say that's accurate, Emmy? Yes, absolutely, a hundred percent. Yes, I think it is. Yep. I think it what? slowly developed like a self as a self loop of. Remember the old? How do you beat Yorion decks? Well, you need to play Yorion. Well, how do I beat a bowmaster? Well, it starts with well, how do I beat the ring? And you say, okay, you play bowmasters. And then when everybody's playing Bowmaster, you ask, how do I beat Bowmaster? And the answer is, more Bowmasters. Because what's the best way to kill a 1-1? One, one? And now everybody's playing Bowmaster. <laughs> yeah, well, it's um, it, it's been an interesting ride. So uh, within the first week, obviously, the One Ring was you know seen as a very powerful card for the modern format. Um, but one of the challenges on that first weekend was won by Zerk playing Yawgmoth uh, and inc- including four copies of Orcish Bowmasters and four copies of the One Ring. Um, and then since then, there's the development of a blue-black quote-unquote control deck that plays Bowmaster and sometimes Ring alongside a suite of counter magic. Uh, and then this last weekend, one of the challenges, it was five or six of the top eight were Rakdos midrange featuring Orcish Bowmasters. So as, as much as the One Ring was a sort of ubiquitous uh, Oko-like terror on the modern format for the first little while, it seems that the Bowmaster has become even more popular and successful. Yeah, seems like it, at least for now. Yeah. Do they just, like, uh, next level everybody, though? It's like, oh, everyone's complaining about Ragavan. We'll just print this amazing, like, card that always gets value against Ragavan. Even if you don't do the damage to the Ragavan, you still get another 1-1 to block with. Yeah, it's wild how well it lines up against Ragavan, but it's even wilder that, like... Maybe it's not wilder. <laughs> maybe this is the culmination of, like, well, why don't we play the most powerful one-drop creature with the most powerful two-drop creature and That's also scam. Blood Boons. And yeah, Blood Boons, I mean, and sometimes a turn one shenanigan that gets your opponent out of the game, because why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, so time will tell if there is going to be an adjustment uh, in the metagame that... Uh, you know, reasonably uh, is able to hose 
scam. Uh, I saw one hopeful human today was talking about uh, potentially goblins coming back, and I know Mord would be excited to see that. But one of the challenge wins was something that Mord should be even more excited about. I believe you linked the deck list here. Uh, somehow, Lonus Cryptozoologist is in a challenge winning deck list. Uh, do you want to take us through any of that more? Yeah, and more importantly than Lonis, I'm going to mention a 3-drop right now, which is Peregrine Took. Which might be... Yeah, I mean, there's one copy. I feel like that's a bit disingenuous, but all right. Well, there's four chords. There's four chords. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'll see it a lot and more often some... than you think for, the, for a one, one of. <laughs> that's, you're not wrong. So, the deck is four-color... Yeah, four-color game objects, where your only black drops are four one-drops, or your only blue card is a two-mana legendary creature, which is unplayable. So you're actually Celestia with a tiny, inny bit of flash for eight cards. You're playing eight mana dorks, the Samwise Cauldron Familiar, Visera Seer combo, which all you need is the cat, Sam, and any sack outlet. And then you're playing the best, the both places of the best three-drop possible, which is either Academy Manufacturer or Chatterfang alongside Collected Company. And the one of Peregrine took because it's par fifth Academy Manufacturer, because you cannot get more consistency than that. It's just your bar fifth copy of the card. Can you just yeah, remind yeah, so us what Chatterfang does for people who... <laughs> and, and you really should, because I saw people getting crushed by this card against you uh, when you were playing like a, a, a previous Samwise Game Objects deck. Yeah, it was extremely similar, actually. Like, only six card difference almost. And I fired this league again, this decklist right now a few hours ago and got a 3-2. A super unlucky 3-2 even. And faced two mirrors. Yeah, it's been popular. So, Chatterfang, 3-mana, three 3-3, three, three, Forest Walk. People forget about Forest Walk all the time as well. Whenever you make a token, you also create the same amount of squirrels. So if you would create one food, one treasure, and one clue, you would get three squirrels. And then you have the ability, pay one black mana, sacrifice X squirrels, give target creature plus X, minus X. Chatterfang can also be sacrificed. Oh, I'm glad I had you read that, because even in my mind's eye, I was thinking whenever you create a token or tokens, you just get one squirrel. No, well, that you're saying no. One, you're saying once you start doing the, the thing where you're creating yeah. a bunch of game objects, you're getting like three or four one ones a time. So something that is super common is going something like turn two, Sam, turn three, collected company, hit academy manufacturer plus Chatterfang, um, two creatures under the battlefield, both get checked by Sam, make two foods, two treasures, two, two clues, six squirrels. <laughs> but more importantly, uh, the setup that you just described, you can now use your two treasures for a single black each to like give yeah. minus six minus six to a creature. I got, I was um, able to kill an Elishron today that got entered the battlefield on turn four. They Chatterfang, they got my Chatterfang with a binding and like turn eight, Hayward might get it back and s sacrifice seven squirrels to kill an Elishron. <laughs> That's just the way of the game. Choose a saga in the deck as well, hiding in the mana base. One Dryad Arbor, which is amazing. Once you have a Sam or a Lonis just to get the chain going. Fetch for a creature, trigger both things, and of course a Shinsherbert Cabin and Yabimasha. Yabimaya. Yeah, and on, on top of all of that, you have the the Viscera Seer Samwise uh, Kitty Combo. Combo. Um, so you can actually you you actually have a, so, like a combo kill as well as just like a grotesquely powerful creature based uh, engine. Yeah. So at first, at first I thought Call of Calling was not going to be great, but then I realized, A, most of your combo pieces are one mana or two, and B, Chatterfang is insane at making green creatures. Mm. 
You get a bunch of squirrels and you catch a score for anything you want. And then you have two Urza Saga with a really tiny package, the two witches' ovens and a hay white mire, and then a singleton gingerbread cabin, which obviously works very well with uh, Yabamaya. Yeah. Yeah, the Yabamaya struggle, the one of Oseishu was a bit greedy when not, with only 21 lands. Haywire Might is always great, and the, deck of the, and the rest of the decklist felt amazing. Peregrine Took actually has a second line of text, sacrifice three foods, draw a card, that sometimes wins you the game. Like, I was on top deck mode, had two geese making foods every turn, and I just topped like a Peregrine Took and won. Well, I think early on, uh, when we were discussing Samwise, uh, one of the things that I remarked about it that was so nice was that it had the um, Sacrifice Three Foods, Return a Historic yes. Card from Your Graveyard to Your Hand ability, because food... Has no use. ...kind of traditionally in modern... Well, of the three card type or clue, uh, uh, token types that Academy Manufacturer provides you with, the food is the one that has the least use. Like, even if you're an Asmo deck, there's just a lot of games where it's like, yeah, I blew up all the relevant creatures. I still have, like, eight food. Like, what am I supposed to do? Uh, and uh, this this is a reasonable outlet for it. So that's a, a nice secondary outlet for it. Um, I will be honest. Looking at this deck list, it's one of those things where I go, wow, I... Never would have expected this to win a challenge. Uh, top 16 for sure, but um, it'll be very interesting to see as the, the next couple weeks go by if uh, it's able to maintain. I was able to beat Scum in my league just because of the power of Collected Company, and I think another one of the games, it happened exactly as you say. We were fighting with the opponent, I topped the call of calling, I had eight foods flying around, I went court for some, get back, I think it was like manufacturer, custom manufacturer, get an extra food, get back, Chatterfang, cast Chatterfang, win the game. Right, and I don't doubt it, but at the same time, I, I'm just interested to see the longevity of this deck. Yeah, more. do you think this is a deck that as people kind of get used to the combo lines and stuff, they're, they get better against playing against? Because when you have decks like this where it's like four tutors, collected company is like four faux tutors... I guess Urza Saga has a foe too. Like, you just have a lot of cards that are kind of fetching the same thing every time, and you have to get used to the patterns with decks like this. Yeah, I think people severely underestimate this sort of deck, and I think that's why they lose to it. People will oblivious of Chatterfang's third ability because White has three paragraphs of text as a three mana three three. <laughs> you know, it's like you get attacked by Questing Beast and you don't realize you're not going to be able to prevent damage. No, I'm yeah, not going to realize my opponent's <laughs> Chatterfang is going to clear my board. Right, right. Um, so, would you do you think this is a threat? You know, okay, the Pro Tour is happening in a week here. Is this a deck you could see doing well at the Pro Tour, or is this the kind of deck you think that this I, is the kind of deck like a Sam Pardee, you know, player who loves these sort of? Yeah, small I, I was gonna say exactly that. It might have a few players in the Pro Tour, but it's gonna be that brand of player. You know what brand? Like the Sam Pardee sort of player. The Sam Black. The Sam Black. Kind of this is a Sam Black deck in and out, in and out of itself. Sam Black will include somehow two other modern legal cards that no one's ever heard of that will be... Uh, and they will be amazing. Yeah, they'll be fantastic. But only when he plays them. Oh, of course. The dreaded Damon like quintuple combo. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like... Yeah, oh, oh no. Oh, oh yeah. I remember, I think somebody was one of the first ever big players I ever had an interaction with because he started asking me about Enigmatic on 2021, like the first mm. modern brew. Mm. So clearly that's a sort of person that would play four color food game objects. 
Well, shifting really briefly over to that topic uh, before we uh, look at these more interesting and subtle deck lists, uh, we've got an upcoming modern Pro Tour. I mean, it, this was something that I think when they you know announced Arena being a, a very dominant client in Mythic Championship formats at the time, I think uh, there was a lot of people who thought, well, there will never be another modern Pro Tour. Uh, and then when the Pro Tour came back, it was like, oh, well, you know what would be really great for uh, a lot of the formats that exist right now? What would be really great is having a Pioneer Pro Tour. Well, that was the very hmm. first format that they dealt with. Um, since the reintroduction of the Pro Tour, I don't know if we've had an arena-based Pro Tour. And now we've got a modern Pro Tour. Um, that's incredibly exciting. Uh, and uh, looking forward to that... Uh, more, do you have any strong predictions on what are going to be the top decks? Uh, are, do you actually think that there's going to be any breakouts? Uh, I mean, we just had a challenge won by uh, what is what was this? What would you call this? Uh, Bant game yeah, objects. Yeah, four color game objects so, or Bant game objects or upsan game or wet upsan game objects. If we want to go nostalgic, nostalgia baiting. <laughs> wet Abzan has been called. Yes, <laughs> wet Abzan has been called. L l listen, I'm waiting for the Jeskai Black Control deck <laughs> to roll in and just crush this thing. I, I mean, uh, but I seriously. Think that might be an outlier. I think the format is yet unexplored. I think there are still a lot of rules that are going to 5 0 soon are going to pop up. I do, however, think that top 8 will include at least one copy or two of Scam, and of what we refer to as mm -hmm. Ragdos Scam or Ragdos Midrange with the Evoke package. I know some people are against the Scam naming. Mm. I personally love it in the same way I like Ponza. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, my objection is based on the fact that multiple previous decks were nicknamed scam decks like Scammer Time instead of Hammer Time, etc. So it was just one of those things mm -hmm. that annoyed me because it felt like an attention grab from content creators. Um, but uh, do you think um, any kind of Tron deck, specifically Green Tron, recently had a great resurgence? Do you think that's going to be a, a, a top contender at this point, or do you think it's uh, it's time is so? Been if I had already? to guess the top eight, I would guess it's going to be like one or two Ragdoss mid-range piles with a bulk, one for color control, one Tron, and then there's going to be open slots to be distributed among amulet, amulet players, any resurging deck that's just, you know, there's always one deck that no one expected that just appears in the spotlight winning, and that's not going to be, and I think that's going to be the case. There's going to be two Cascade decks, if I had to guess, most likely Living End, yeah, this Unburned. weekend there was a resurgence in both Living End and yeah. Rhinos. What do you what do you think about the blue black control shell that plays Ring and Bowmaster and Merktide and can counter spell basically? So I really like the deck and I have and I have actually taken it for a spin. I think it's still to be improved. I think Sauron's Ransom might be the best three mana two for one we actually have access to. I the head games for that, actually, I hope that card is sees a ton of play in the Pro Tour. Oh, I, I feel hope like so that, as well. That is a content generator. So just remind people what that does more. So, so Saturn's Ransom is one Dimir and one, so one colorless, one blue, one black, three mana instant. When you cast it, your opponent looks at the top four cards of your deck and, uh, and makes two piles. One turn up, one turn down, so you only get information about one of them and you get to choose. After you select, the one you select goes to your hand, the other pile goes to the graveyard, and then the ring tempts you. So a lot of stuff. Yeah, I feel like somewhere in the world, John Finkel wishes he was on this pro tour because yeah, watching Nassif play this card is absolutely hilarious. Like, 
He suffers. It, it doesn't matter how good the, the pile is that he sees. He's like, well, if it's this good, the other pile has to be better. And then he like talks himself out of it. And then he, so he just like spends like five minutes of time looping himself. As soon as he grabs whichever pile he picks, then he immediately is like, oh, I blew it. And then he's like, I have to just change my range randomly so people don't start like putting good stuff in one pile or the other to try to fool me. So he's just like also like leveling himself. It's it's just awesome. So I hope Nassif is qualified for this pro tour. I believe he is. And I hope he just plays against blue black decks, casting that against him the entire time. <laughs> Or him, I hope he plays the blue black deck and cast it, I guess. That's oh, what, I would love it. There's also yes. an Esper control getting... So there's only one player playing this deck and he got like a preliminary win, a challenge top 16 and a, and a few five o's, which is the, this Timmy deck, but with Esper. Only splashing for the 33 Supreme Verdict and Lele Binding. Yeah, and if you've been paying attention to uh, a lot of the people doing their, their prep who stream... Uh, routinely, I mean, Nasif was playing an absolute ton of Gorio's Vengeance decks, uh, especially the Esper configurations. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what other decks that are well known as like top tier decks. Uh, Murktide is one that we just didn't mention until this point, but it is very, very stable, right? Like it is one of the most consistent decks in modern, if not one of the best. So it'll be interesting to see if someone who's very well seasoned on that deck can kind of pilot their way through the more powerful nonsense uh, with just a high level of consistency. And uh, as I mentioned, the, the Goryo's deck, uh, that Esper uh, configuration might be popular uh, or any other hmm. amount of nonsense. I mean, who knows? Maybe there'll be a Belcher deck oh, in the I top wish. eight. I think there's gonna be a, a, at least one random deck that no one expects, like one Mono Blue Tron or one Gorio Through the Breach or one Sheskai Prowess. I also guess there's gonna be at least one Burn. It, yeah, Burn Burn had a resurgence this year. Burn well. being like one of the direct ways to interact with a ring that like <laughs> doesn't have to alter its game plan is really fascinating. Yeah, and also one of the few decks that has a, f a favorable scam matchup. Yeah. And that's huge. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, it's yep. funny when MH2 was spoiled that everyone's like, oh, they're just going to be like evoking these elementals and either ephemerating or whatever. And everyone's like, well, that's not going to happen. And then it didn't really happen for like the first couple of months. And now it's mostly what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing that everyone <laughs> yeah. said the month before MH2 came out is just the thing now. It's like, yes, this is an entire archetype. The ephemerate shell kind of went away with Orion. I mean, there's still people doing it, but not as much. So it got an entire archetype banned and then it is the best or among the best decks well it, it's interesting because at the time nobody considered like the the fact that like feign death malakir rebirth and uh what is it undying, undying evil. whatever like undying evil that there were multiple replicative effects in black like nobody talked about that fact everyone was just hung up on the fact that fury didn't have or ephemerate <laughs> just ephemerate right. no but every, everyone was in on yeah, ephemerate yeah. like grief ephemerate was supposed to be the terror of the new format and for a while it was actually uh, solitude I remember ephemerate. Brad Nelson um, coming out he was one of the blade testers from MHU and he was like like consistently saying every single day stop worrying about solitude about grief ephemerate it's not gonna be good we have tested this yeah, but uh, no one was on the Undying Evil <laughs> No, no one. Um, uh, 
uh, at the time. Now there's lots of them. No, it, it will be uh, very interesting to see. And speaking of interesting to see, so we have another couple of modern deck lists to talk about here. So the second one, and I believe this was provided by Mord, as most of these were. What what am I looking at here? This is like uh, Abzan mid-range? So, so this is trying to make... So this the, the deck list got a few five balls. It's just trying to make Abiding Grace great via Scornblade Berserker. <laughs> And Abiding Grace, uh, for those who don't know it, is a three-mana enchantment. I, I had to look it up, so don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> the most important thing it says is at the beginning of your end step, you can return a non-land permanent with converted mana cost one or less from your graveyard. No, it's play. creature. I think it's a. I think it's a creature. Non-land creature. creature. Uh, sorry, a creature. A creature with converted mana cost one or less. So basically, anything that costs one or less creature-wise, you can bring back at the end of every single one of your turns. Uh, it also has a second mode, which just gains you life i don't know what it's one life that's it so it, it has a fail yeah it case. has a fail case uh, the fail case is you gain one life but don't do that so don't do that if you're doing that you're losing this deck wasn't great however i did get a 3-2-3-2 just beating dimir decks and shadow and whatever because you just go turn three abiding grace and you win against decks that can't remove it drawing three cards every two turns because you go like thraven First, then you get back Scornbelly Berserker, you put a counter on Thraven, you sack both, draw two cards, crack the clue, draw a card. And you just start going through your whole deck. And then you just get the media going and get back the Eagles with plane cycling. And hope for the best. And that wins somehow? No, no, I mean, it can definitely grind out against a lot of the um, sort of mid-range piles. And it doesn't have no game against something like Tron, so it doesn't shock me. Um, there are some surprisingly large vulnerabilities that exist in a lot of the top decks right now. For example, today I was doing a little bit of streaming because uh, it's fun and I had a little <laughs> bit of time. And uh, these Rakdos decks, my god, are they soft to install Oh, yeah. yeah. They have no artifact removal. Like... For, for a deck that has red in it, like they're playing like one or two copies of uh, Cast <coughs> Into the Fires and one or two copies of uh, Colgan's Command in the entire 75. So I'm seeing deck list with literally uh, zero outs besides Engineer Ex Sorry, no, Engineer Explosive doesn't work. No, because no, they, yeah, they, they, they can get a treasure from Ragavan, but basically. Yeah, yeah. Basically, so that's it true. Ragavan solves all oh, But it's problems. just going to die to Bowmaster. It's going to die to Bowmaster. If so your you only know. answer to a snaring reach is a Kalis <laughs> of the Void, you're in trouble. Sorry, it's an engineering explosive yeah. with Ragavan help. Yeah, that's, that's tough. So is Straven Inspector really the best one drop? It seems so bad. Like, it doesn't even. It's not good enough for Pioneer anymore. Yes. Sad. I. Like, I like Scornblade Berserker. I love Haywire Might. That seems good to me. A one of Giant Killer, okay, but like... Scornblade Berserker is one of the most impressive new printings I've seen in a while. Yeah. That card, I was not ready for it to be anywhere near as okay as it as it was when I played against Especially it. Especially if you're playing four main deck Ranger Captains. I think I'd try to main deck a Burrington Forge Tender and maybe main deck the Kami of the False Hope. Like, those just seem better than... No, I had a main deck Kami. And it was bad. And literally never went for it. Oh, okay, well... Because you don't love it against Scam because they have all the removal they need, and there's no one playing decks like Hammer nowadays. Yeah, Hammer, by the way, is a deck that has dropped off hard. Um, you do see the occasional like reasonable finishing challenges, but my god, have they gotten slammed by the one ring. 
that's that was the the backbreaking card for them somehow they want I, I don't know if it's the one ring or the meta just adapting to have a lot of exile artifact which i'm mm. sure they didn't love yeah that's true haywire might being a, a big uh, meta player definitely isn't great for your living and aids. going up the ranks yeah. because four color is back yeah yeah Oh, also new living end for anybody that has not been playing modern. Insane. The eight lands, playing seven eight land cyclers make that deck so much better because hands that used to be like, they could mulligan to four and keep like three lands and a, and a cascade and that hand sucks. But one land, two generous ends and a cascade is insane. Yeah, so if we were to go back and look at the top five cards that are seeing play out of Lord of the Rings, it would be the One Ring, Orcish Bowmasters, and then like Oliphant and Lorien Revealed. Yeah, and, and Eagles I think of after the North. That, we have the Lighted <laughs> Halfling. <laughs> That's because the most successful Sam deck is playing one copy. Wait. <laughs> so if I look at cards based on, how can I look them? Sort by. There's no way to check for, in in goldfish for play rate really. I I would assume that there is, but we're getting distracted from the point. It is surprising how impactful the land cyclers have oh, been yeah. for uh, both the living end decks and then anything that's playing blue because Lorien revealed has shown up in a surprisingly large number of decks. Yeah, Lorien revealed is insane. Just because. Yeah. A land that's pitchable to both phone subtlety and five mana draw three is surprisingly castable in grinding games as someone who has casted it more than once. Oh no, I, I mean I've had it cast against me and I ended up winning that game, but it, it was definitely um, it was a, a pretty okay tap land. Hmm. Um, but speaking of a deck that's not playing Lorien Revealed, we have uh, yet another modern deck to look at here. Before we look at a deck that I actually played, but more to the point. Uh, Mord, why are you still hung up on Esper Flash? Uh, I made my judgment after playing one league with it that it's terrible, um, and it's definitely not entirely based on my mediocre play skill. Uh, somehow you have managed to jam in Pioneer Staple Elder Deep Friend. Oh, that's that's just a meme. I just want to mention it because I'm going to forget about it. But Elder Deep Friend <laughs> Solitude is just one of the best feelings. And why is that? Like, are you evoking a solitude and then emerging yeah. in response to the evoke trigger and Elder Deep Fiend? That's just the best meme. <laughs> I mean, I guess if, and if you're you have a Slither Wisp in play, I mean, come on. Yeah. Okay, we're drawing See? two cards. Now we're cooking with propane. Yeah, yeah, Elder um, Deep Fiend wasn't great. Um, but it's just. Uh, Orkish Bowmaster was insane for the deck. The main issue is everybody's playing Orkish Bowmaster, so the value of your Orkish starts to get negative as people play more Orkish. I don't know. Card, card loops are weird. Card interactions among themselves get weird really fast. Should Spell Snare yeah, be being like, played more? No, Stern oh, Scolding should. Which oh, is the new now one. Now you're talking about it. Yeah. No, no, I know it is, but Spell Pierce is still the better card somehow. Oh, yeah. Um, no, but uh, kudos to you for the uh, innovation with that. Now, you place this in the uh, notes here because... No, I just think I just think it's worth mentioning. If anybody loves this sort of deck, you can play this. You can get some decent results. But the deck I wanted to talk the most about is the last one. I don't yeah, know if it's and great. So I, I actually, no, I actually played this for a league, and oh. uh, I want to say I went 2-3. Oh. 
Um, but no, but there was there was some like mild, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah. uh, bad luck there. It felt surprisingly good. Um, so this is a really wild Bant turns shell. Um, playing three copies of Time Warp, uh, three copies of Eternal Witness, four copies of Ephemerate. And what most people imagine surrounding that is a sort of soul herder shell. And there's a little bit of that going on. But really what there is is four copies of the One Ring, four copies of Solitude, four copies of Cosmic Rebirth, four copies of Teferi, um, some Force of Negations, uh, one Narset, and uh, four of my pioneer favorite card, Falaji Archaeologist <laughs> from the Demir Self Mill deck. Um, I have had some games where I've been able to like go off for infinite turns on turn four. Um, Falaji Archaeologist is a reasonable card with Ephemerate. Um, uh, Cosmic Rebirth, Eternal Witness, and Teferi all being in the same deck is really obnoxious. Yeah. Um, it can get really annoying really fast. Yeah, I don't know how good this deck is, but there's certain matchups where you just feel completely unbeatable because there's no removal and no discard spell and no counter spell that can stop you <laughs> because everything is the same. Yeah, it starts getting stupidly redundant. About Falasha Archaeologist, 15% chance to miss. So for anybody that doesn't remember, it's one of Zack's Labs cards. 2 mana 3 When it enters a battlefield mill 3, you may put a non-creature non-land into your hand. If you don't, it becomes a 1-4. It gets a plus 1, plus 1 counter in, as the failsafe. Is it better than Wall of Omens? If you have played the deck, how did it feel? Did the mill help? Did you get targets? Oh, no, it was, it was so good because oh. it put other cards into your graveyard for Eternal Witness or Cosmic Rebirth to pick up. Okay. So sometimes even if you get the chance to miss, getting the chance to make sure your co turn 3 Cosmic gets something is great. Yeah, and uh, a 1-4 uh, as opposed to an 0-4 is significant. Because all of a sudden your opponent's Ragavans like, are more deterred. Uh, you know, it, 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 it seemed reasonable. And then on top of on top of that, uh, it pitches to force the negation. Because if yeah. you look at the colors in this deck, uh, I think the blue count needed some shoring up um, versus the white count yeah. for Solitude. The chat I was having with my friends with, with you playing the deck really might help is what if you take out the force of negation and you play like Quattles and counter spells. I mean, there's three force of negations, so I don't know how you're trying to swing those numbers. No, no, you I think. Mean, oh, are you saying Quotal instead of Archaeology? Yes. Sure. I mean, you could do that. Uh, that'd be fine. Uh, the, the, the appeal of force of negation is the fact that it's free. Yeah, that you can just um, tap down. Be yeah, because this is a sort of three-mana tribal deck, and it, it hmm. screams that because it's playing four copies of Utopia Sprawl and no other acceleration, right? Yeah. So you definitely will mulligan a couple of sevens and even some sixes where it's like, I'm not doing anything significant until turn three, and that's not good enough. Okay, good to know. Yeah. So a Bant turns deck that's actually kind of exciting, cool, and fun, uh, and isn't just like Soul Herder <laughs> with one copy of Time Warp for inevitability. Uh, if you are a fan of the taking turns archetype, and I certainly have been at times in my magic career, uh, especially for my association with uh, Velomachus Lorehold, you should probably check this out. And it's in at least one five zero dump, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it in. And you cannot play Soul Herder anymore with Bowmaster, so. That, no. that you just yeah. If you want to do that Bant thing, this is the only way to do it. Yeah, I mean, again, you could play Soul Herder if you're like a real sadist. Yeah. 
if you um, hate yourself but and don't want to get like divorced yeah, or whatever, yeah. this is like the the couple's counseling. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's it's a catharsis. Yes, exactly. Every moment you play is is painful to yourself, but also the person you're playing against. But it's time to move over to a topic to which our uh, thus far most silent co-host can contribute the most because it's time to talk about Pioneer. Pioneer, the format that has not been affected by Lord of the Rings, is not thus far been corrupted by uh, Wizards of the Coast releasing supplementary products which have no business affecting a legacy format. Um, what's going on in Pioneer that you are excited about, David? I know you've got a 5-0. We're going to get to that at some point. Uh, we've also got a card that you brewed with to talk about so what are we doing here um i guess i'll talk about my 5-0 so i am still experimenting i haven't actually played that many leagues i uh i 5-0'd with my um gobacon list the first time i played it and then i that's yeah yeah had yeah. to muck around with some of these four mana six six flying creatures that were not very good so i think yeah. this is two five o's and three leagues for me two of them are decks that nobody else hmm. is playing so this is a deck that is built around Heart of Kirin. Um, we built a Heart of Kirin, a Grixis Heart of Kirin list with Kaito uh, whenever Kaito came out. And I really love the deck. I love the interaction with Kaito and Heart. Uh, at the time, it felt like you needed to play red because um, Blood Tithe is so good and you needed a density of three mana Planeswalkers. But the recent printings of Dark Slick Shores, um, Shieldred's Edict, and... Uh, Gix along with Shieldred meant that you basically aren't losing that much card quality to just play blue blacks. So your mana's perfect. And Heart of Karen just lines up really well against the format's removal. It dodges all the white removal everybody's playing. So, like, they can basically never kill it with Chain to the Rocks unless they want to just attack a smaller creature into it, like straight up two for one themselves. It beats the red removal in those red white lists, right? Lightning Strike doesn't kill it. Uh, the one mana red instance don't kill it. Uh, red black is very common. Red black sacrifice has all these steel effects. They can't seal it. It's not a creature. Liliana doesn't hit it. Sweepers knows, don't hit it. Uh, it flies over. You know blockers. So yeah, the card is just insane. And because we can play Shieldred's Edict, we are hopefully a little bit insulated from Karn, which is the one is a, major weakness that it has. Is there a reason for the go for the throat over third Shieldred's Edict? I just have been so surprised and so pleasantly surprised every single time I have cast Edict due to the card quality of it. Well, it's funny you say that since having the Go for the Throw came up a handful of times. In general, <laughs> I think that Edict is the much better card. However, I like to have enough different cards. Uh, Go for the Throw killed Grease Fang when they had another creature in play. Um, I actually boarded out the Edicts against Goblins because there's just so many random little creatures running around. Yeah. Um, Shielder's Edict is... It was actually quite bad against Red White Pia um, and against Red Black Sacrifice. Right, so so in, the, in the the sweep of games I played, it actually was quite mediocre. I was glad to at least have one <laughs> go for the throat um, in the shell. But I, I think in general you are right. Shieldred's Edict is the better card by quite a bit. Okay, good to know. Good to know it wasn't just like a suboptimal choice, but but variety for better situations. Yeah. Well, that is a staple of the Pioneer format, is that you need a swath of removal because there is no universal removal. Like, everything has something that it's not great at removing, so it's usually better to diversify unless the metagame has gotten unbelievably narrow. 
Yeah, and it definitely hasn't. And Shieldred's Edict is actually kind of bad against Monarch Green if they don't have a Planeswalker in play even, right? If they have an Elf and a 4-4 or 5-6, two-mana instant kill your Elf on turn 5 or 4 is, like, pretty bad. It's not a good way to win no. a game of Magic the Gathering. Um, and you're the person with the 5-0 here, and it uh, looks like you pr got a pretty good wide swath of decks other than mono blue control. Yeah, I don't know what was going on. They countered like five or six spells. I think I finally got like a graveyard trespasser to stick and just, I don't know how they were gonna win. It, it wasn't clear what was happening there. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't take a lot of pride in that win, but I, we take those. <laughs> yeah, we, hey, hey, we hey, think every, every win every, is a win. Every 5-0 yeah. has at least one deck or one moment where it's like, all right, I, I mean, they I They were 1-0. I don't know who they beat or how they did it or what was going on, but. I think my, my guess is Lotus Field. You, you cannot my complain. Guess is Lotus Field. I, I I think my finest five zero was the time I was I was play I was four zero. I was playing the round five. I actually got crushed round five. An opponent just conceded it because they didn't want their deck list posted. <laughs> if I if I got, if I was proud of that, <laughs> you can be proud. That's of the best mono blue whatever control shenanigans they were up to. That's the best. I love that. Um, so yeah, the heart of Demir is, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to follow your heart or the heart of the cards. <laughs> Let Demir guide you. Yeah, and I think there's still improvements to be made. I don't know if Evolve Sleeper is what you want. I, I did like having some one-drops. Uh, there might be better ones. Uh, Blade, of On Blade of the Oni was bad. You want a, a number of two-mana, three-power creatures. I think Blade of Oni is just bad, so pick something else. In theory, it's a two-mana card with Menace that you can attack freely after you play your Gix, but that's not how it ever played out. It just dies to everything. It doesn't have the resilience of a tenacious underdog, so. How, so I wanna ask about the str likely strangest card and the one I don't love. What, how about Blade of the Oni? Yeah, it was really bad. My theory was, <laughs> my, the my theory was because of the menace, it was like a good turn two play, especially on the play before Gix. But it, it died to just random pings from, like, goblins. It died to, obviously, red-black sacrifice it's terrible against. Uh, it's randomly another artifact. So if they bring in artifact hate and you don't draw a heart, they, like, have another target. Of course, you never use the other ability, right, where it turns something into a 5-5. Five, five. So I think you could play, like, a wide variety of two-mana, three-power creatures there instead of blade. Um, you can play the 3-1 that comes back with plus-one, plus-one counters. Uh, it's you know it's like six mana, but only costs black black if they don't have a certain number of non-basic lands. Um, you could play Scrap Heap Scrounger. You could play the Fourth Tenacious Underdog. Um, but yeah, I would I would never play Blade of Oni again. But it functionally was like just a two mana three power creature that died, and there's a lot of those that have a little bit more upside than Blade. Good to know. So Pioneer is in the sweet spot that uh, I think you probably are happy that it is most of the time, which is that it's not a Pro Tour format at the moment. It's not a format that's being interfered with with outside sets. So uh, we've got an upcoming set uh, reasonably-ish soon. What is it, a month and a half away, which is going to be the uh, Wilds of Eldrain. I can't believe um, it. Eldrain. Until that, Eldrain is yeah. coming back. I'm so happy about that. I love Eldrain's flavor. Yeah, but until that point, uh, what's what's your feeling about the general vibe of the the Pioneer format, either online or with whatever paper play that you're having? Uh, I think the format continues to be very good. I continue to think it does not need any bans. Um, I sympathize with people that don't like playing against certain cards. I mean, I don't like playing against spirits. I'm never calling for any cards in it to get banned. 
Uh, but I mean, you know, at various points, we've heard Lotus Field needs to get banned. We've heard Fable needs to get banned. We've heard uh, Lotus Field or, or, or excuse me, Nykthos or Klar need to get banned. Uh, you know, I just don't find those cards to be problematic. I actually find my games against those decks to be super interesting. I actually love playing against Red Black mid range. Like those games are super uh, cool, even even if you're losing lots of them. And I know certain decks obviously don't have great matchups there. But yeah, I don't think they need to ban anything. I think as soon as they get Pioneer fully on uh, Arena, that will lead to bans almost immediately. Uh, I think they'll almost immediately ban Nykthos, would be my guess, but I think that'll be very unfortunate. I mean, in, in general, Arena's just toxic to formats. Um, yeah. The way people interact with Arena, it's not, there's nothing to do with Arena players, but just like you play on the uh, ladder all the time, you don't play these like set leagues, no one's investing anything, so it just behooves them to play decks that are like very fast, so like people are just going to play mono And green. if nothing is on the stake, you can just touch when you can when you deem what your opponent is doing as unworthy or too anno- annoying to play against. The fact there's nothing on the line means people are dodging and complaining. Yeah. So it, it, people are really not incentivized to problem solve. They are incentivized to play decks that they can get through matches quickly. You know, a couple of my friends that aren't like that serious of players, they just like get a match in like their wife goes to bed like half an hour earlier than them or whatever. So they just like play mono green because yeah. it's fast, right? <laughs> you just... Nut draw, if they start killing your shit, you can always just give up. So If they have it, they have it. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, in terms of the arena implementation, though, like if we're talking full Pioneer, I mean, there was recently, and I, I haven't listened to every uh, recent episode of Faithless Brewing, which I'm going to admit in shame uh, as, a, as a host and contributor, but have you touched on the fact that the most recent arena, um, what was it, like the historic anthology, uh, has been widely received very poorly. Yes. <laughs> um, so, for those who are not in the loop on, on Arena, in order to sort of back uh, load a lot of the relevant cards for Pioneer to the quote unquote historic format, um, they've been releasing these sort of anthologies rather than actually having to back code entire sets. Um, and the most recent one had a lot of uh, cards that were, uh, let's say, objected to uh, instead of oh. cards that are widely played in Pioneer. Specifically, a quarter shield Come on. Uh, was rammed to the wall. Are you going to um, tell me which hero might Ch- wait, 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 Cheerios enthusiasts aside. Uh, <laughs> like, Are you not going to tell me? Pioneer staple a quarter shield in every single... It's colorless. It can go in any decklist. It's almost like the one ring. It's like Heart of Kirin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just... As as someone who was uh, authentically excited about Arena, uh, I was part of the beta. Uh, I was someone who contributed to uh, discussion topics and threads about the direction of the Arena beta. And I protested to the most of my tiny, tiny voice at the time about some of the changes they were making. Uh, They made some very bold claims about the Arena client that have never panned out. Um, And I just, I I wonder what, like they canceled Pioneer Masters for Arena. Like it just feels like implementing Pioneer on Arena is not a priority. Yeah, totally agree. I I think Pioneer's, not that popular of a format when it was the Pro Tour format. You know, I think some people like it. Lots of people don't. And, you know, I think the real focus they need to do is, like, fix standard, which is kind of their, like, moneymaker. And they've really struggled yeah. with that, right? And and part of that is Arena. Again, it's not Arena players, but it's how Arena forces players to interact. The incentive structure it sets up for them. 
and their balance issues, etc. That you know, of course, you you want to push cards because you want to make them exciting, but it's very difficult to do that in uh, when people are playing standard in the way that they currently are. So, um, yeah, I don't know that I have an easy solution, but yeah, I think Pioneer continues to be great. I love I love playing um, the games. I feel like I don't have very many non games. Um, I think Modern's actually in that phase as well. You have to play a set amount of cards in Modern to not have the non games, but. Um, yeah, and, and looking at the most recent Pioneer metagame breakdown, I mean, it really, it speaks to, like, the fact that it hasn't shifted in a lot of months. Like, it it's shifted, but only in percentages. Like, you can see what the top, like, 10 decks are going to yes. be. And you can play your weird brew that has, like, a good matchup against six of them and a medium one against four exactly. of them. Exactly. And and have a great time doing. Yeah, I think that. the only like new-ish technology is people have been playing PNLR, which is like the one card from Aftermath that that's yeah. super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that plus kind of like the red-white um, convoke shell means that there's like a new red-white-ish low to the ground. You're gonna play like one of those or two of those a a league, I would say. So you just have to be ready. Yeah, and it's a great balancing uh, factor with the fact that Nykthos, like the, the, the Modern Green deck exists, Azorius Control exists, Lotus Field exists. Like, you've got a lot of very interesting uh, sort of, w like, disparate elements to try to balance when you're trying to build your deck. Uh, much like the Modern format, except uh, <laughs> a little less diverse, <laughs> but a, a little bit more uh, uh, with room for experiment. Do you think David is... Like the Pioneer format. So, this is the biggest complaint I have heard about Pioneer. Do you think it's coin flippy in that the matchup matters more than anything else? Yeah, I mean, the, the one deck where that isn't true is Red Black, but I think that there are lots of okay. bad matchups. I mean, we joke about my terrible record against Spirits, but that's because I'm playing a mid range list, right? And so I often yeah. am very bad against them. Um, so there are like borderline unwinnable matchups. That that is true. So I think in okay. that sense, it's a little like modern before MH one, where you okay, you, you yeah. had a when few matchups that were like 70, 30, 30, 70 kind of a deal. Yeah, burn and turn against infect, mid range against um, escape shift, things that were just completely unstoppable too. Yeah, or right. where you were not gonna win unless they mulligan you two twice. But again, like. You can also make your deck different. Like, all these red-white lists are bad against mono-green. You kept hearing over and over again. Well, the Gobacon yep. list I played played five one-mana ways to kill mana elf, which is not what these red-white lists are doing, typically. And so people are like, oh, this just looks like a pile of cards. It's like, this is a plan. Like, you you can say, oh, I hate playing mono-green. Why don't they ban Nykthos? Or you can, like, play ways to kill mana elf that are also playable against other shells like because you're playing gobacon the burn can actually go to gobacon where, where the two damage to the player doesn't matter so you, you have to think about that so um but people don't you know they don't want to yeah yeah people don't want to people like people prefer complaining rather than doing yeah. we can both agree on that. it's just like oh i played my pnlr and like made a bunch of one ones and like monogreen over the top of me it's like yeah what the hell like <laughs> that's not their fault like you are playing red and white there's multiple cards that can kill turn one mana if you're just not playing any of them the PLS don't play a single one mana shock. There's a zillion of them. And they play Chain of the Rocks instead of other white removal, which they can't cast on turn one, targeting a mountain most, the vast majority of the time. So that's just a choice you're making. Now, your deck is very powerful and it's cool. I love the PA decks, but it's like, there, there's like, I don't know, 30 cards. I, I'm not even exaggerating, you know, that you could pick that, that do the job and they choose not to play them for other reasons. It helps them match up in other decks, so... Yeah, I uh, 
the Pioneer tournament where I had the, my greatest, one of my greatest runs in any tournament ever was when Mono Green was a breakout deck. Uh, this was pre-COVID for those who want a little uh, shock of timeline. But the only thing I said going into that tournament is if I don't run into shock tribal, I'm going to have a great tournament. And the only match that I felt miserable against was I ran into someone playing who was playing blue red wizard prowess, <laughs> right. and they had like twelve shocks in their deck, and I was like, I can't ever win. And this. then like counter I, magic, right? No so, chance. Like, when you finally get to your fourth man. Yeah, they, the, the they also had spell. like exactly. spell pierce, so it was like, all right, uh, yeah. But uh, my team, uh, fortunately for me, my team carried me through that round because we were playing team trios. But every single other match, I was just bulldozing through Demir Inverter and uh, you know Heliod combo, whatever it was. Um, so it, it's it's okay to have a bad matchup, and it's okay to fix your bad matchup. Um, Mark Rosewater has a great quote where he talks about how players are very very good at identifying problems, not always great at solving them. Um, so. Uh, if you've identified a problem, that's a great step one. See if you can actually solve it. Um, and so, we, in, in our in our final little section we have here, we actually have some pioneer deck lists to talk about. We've got a card of the week, <laughs> sort of, to talk about. Um, it's Kefnet, but it's not Kefnet from uh, the OG Amonkhet. It's God Eternal Kefnet from War of the Spark. <laughs> Uh, why have you been experimenting with this card, David? And uh, what are these deck lists? So, of course, I like building mid-range lists. I, uh, that's not a surprise. I like the idea of being able to interact again with early plays, and then you have these cards that are good late, right? So, Kefnet actually just lines up really well. It's a giant flying body. So, in general, just not that you want them, but let's say Grease Fan goes off when you have Kefnet in play. You just eat an angel... And then the next turn, the other angel can't attack you. So it's one of the few cards that actually just, without any interaction, just stops the, doesn't stop the combo. You take nine, but then you take no more damage. So it doesn't actually create a board state that can beat you. Um, it is just a card you can cast over and over again into removal. So it's actually quite good against red black. It, it blocks all their creatures except for um, specifically uh, Shieldred. And then it's just an incredible value engine once it's in play. Um, there's a lot of cards that let you draw on your opponent's turn. So I'm playing cards like Consider, Opt, The Cycle of Sensor, Ledger Shredder if it triggers on your opponent's turn. Um, and then there's cards like Saloon Division, Hagramalling. You can play as additional lands that are actually basically unfairly cast if they flip off your Kefnet. Um, you have a card like Treasure Cruise, which is very expensive to cast if they attack your graveyard. It actually isn't that expensive if Kefnet flips it. Uh, you can kind of get your like double Treasure Cruise without exiling that many cards from your graveyard. Um, so in, in this, in can this you book, remind us the exact text of Kefnet? Yeah, I'm so sure a I'm, lot of I'm looking don't. at it right now. So God Eternal Kefnet is two blue blue for a four five four five flying. You may reveal the first card you draw each turn as you draw it. Whenever you reveal it instant or sorcery this way, copy that card, and you may cast the copy. That copy costs two less to cast. Okay. It also has the God Eternal Clause, where if it dies, it goes into your library third from the top. So, or if it gets exiled. Uh, or if it gets exiled, yeah. Sure. So, it, it, so it gets put under chain, you. which is very important. Yeah. You get to put it back in and draw okay. it, assuredly. So the important point of this is twofold. One, drawing cards, as David has pointed out, on your opponent's turn allows you to exploit this trigger. And two, uh, if this is an instant or sorcery, you copy it and you can cast the copy. The card you draw goes into your yes. hand. 
The copy is a freebie. So, you know, if you flip a, like, for example, a fatal push off this, you cast a fatal push for a single black, you still get another fatal push in your hand yes. to cast whenever you want. Um, See, Land Division seems you, like the best combo. Yeah, so so yeah, I played a blue-green I mean, version. Anything that costs exactly yeah, three. I played a blue-green right. version that I liked and then had played a blue-black version to a 4-1 and it just missed a 5 So this is an updated version of that. So... So this is like a blue-black mid-range list. Uh, so you have four push, four thoughtsies. Again, you don't want to play that much counter magic. You can play sensor because it's so good with God Eternal, right? On turn two, you, if you want to save your shredder, you can counter their spell. Okay, but when it gets bad, Dan hates the cycle for one. The random draw is so good with God Eternal, and it just fills your graveyard. So we're playing a deck that's dense in instants and sorceries. That's good for God Eternal. A bunch of these instants and sorceries draw. So we have four consider, two opt, one cling, three sensor you could play the fourth sensor over juari whatever um all those draws are also really good with shieldred so you've shielded and got eternal that pay off for all this drawing and then you're playing all these cantrips so treasure cruise is good treasure cruise is great with shieldred um but then you can mm. flip all these cheap instants so they all kind of synergize with each other we are playing saloon division and hagra mauling as land slots slash spell slots they're really good to flip over like if you flip over hagra mauling for black black kill any creature so it's just a straight up terminate you can play it tapped as a land if you like. Um, so all I knew about Kefnet was that if you had a chase and an extra turn spell, you had an infinite combo, which of course is not possible in Pioneer. However, I never noticed it was first card each turn, not just yours. Yes, exactly. Oh yeah, that's that's something I had never noticed. Like you could go, your opponent's end step, consider, look at the top, notice it's like a shielded Cedric, and get. And get like a double children for three mana. Yeah, I mean I've I've done all these things. It's awesome. (laughs) That sounds so. That really sounds so. We're even playing a castle lockdown, which again is awesome with shieldred, awesome with god eternal. So in one sense, you're just like a blue black mid range shell. We've seen some of these shells with with ledger shredder and shieldred and treasure cruise, right? So okay, they can attack your graveyard. Well, attacking your graveyard is bad against god eternal and shieldred. It's only good against treasure cruise. Or they can attack your creatures. Well, that's not good against Ledger Shredder and Treasure Cruise, which gives you all this advantage. So you're just kind of attacking from a bunch of different angles, but you're super interactive. Was 28 lands a few too many? I see. Like I know you're playing a lot of utility lands and such, but still, 28. Well, Saluni Vision and Hagrid Mauling just become spells in the late game, so it's they're 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 typically fine. Yeah, it's 22 plus six, right? Yeah, like it's not. It, it, it's, yeah, it's, and Takanuma and Odawara. Yeah, but what if you went like 23 plus 5 real spells? Is there a chance that's better? I, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I mean, certainly. The Juari Disruption like, is the card I'm like least excited about. So if you wanted to turn yeah. that, like one of those into a real land and one of the Juari Disruptions into something better, that that's certainly like a path I would take. Okay. Yeah, but Hagra Mauling is a very real. No, no. Hagra, Hagra Mauling and Sirandi, like, synergize yeah. so perfectly well with Kefnet, like the two mana, they actually have a good effect. Instep Silandi vision is something I have done even in modern. Yeah. And the fact you're actually not playing any real three mana spell means Silandi is even better. It's mostly a uh, worry disruption and maybe the hive of the tyrant I'm looking at suspiciously. Yeah, this this is surprisingly yeah, this is not this is certainly not like yeah. a li- I think all those suggestions are, are worth tweaking. So like, do you want to play the four sensors? Do you even want to main deck a Ritual of Soot? Because I was playing that when I was playing... I was playing two Ritual of Soots and less Ledger Shredders, but the card kept impressing me. So in reality, my idea is, like, the two drops are the Sensor, Shieldred's Edict, Juari Disruption. Ledger Shredder turn three is your three-drop play. Like, Ledger Shredder yeah. plus push their creature. Ledger Shredder plus 
cling there. Literally anything. Whatever, yeah. Shredder plus something. Yeah. yeah. And and a lot of the things you're talking about, like both the card that's in there and the thing you're going to swap it for are going to be meta-dependent. So if you're expecting to face two mono-green decks, you can skew in one direction. If you're fa- expecting to face against two Boros decks or two Lotus Fields or two Spirits, you can skew it all sorts of different directions you want because this is a blue-black mid-range deck that has a lot of good options. Right. Yeah. So that's the first cool. shell, and then I uh, I monkeyed around a bit with my blue green shell. So I my original version of this had um, the two mana enchantment that uh, enchants a land and then attaches an extra green and can make a wolf wolf oh. haven. Is it? Oh yeah, yeah wolf. And then I was playing right. um, Kiora, who is pretty sweet with God Eternal, but. Uh, Dan was like, and I had, I think I had two mind splice apparatus as like the rule of six. So I was playing like four God Eternal, two mind splice. So Dan was like, what if we just went to the full four mind splice apparatus uh, and just tried to play like a longer game, which would then let us play divide by zero, which is great with God Eternal, right? It's a sweet card to remove off the top there. It also, once you get your three cards from your sideboard, does draw, right? The loot on their turn, like when you counterspell, okay, you don't get to draw anymore. You've drawn your teachings and your mascot and whatever. The loot on their turn gives you another crack at activating your God Eternal, which is super sweet. And then the reduction of Mind Splice Apparatus plus to divide by zero is something people had explored a lot. So I kind of leaned into that. And once I got rid of the Kiora aspect of it and just played four Mind Splice instead, then Sylvan Carry added became a much better option than um, Wolf Willow Haven. Uh, and then uh, La Eleven, a uh, super excellent brewer and pioneer, had sort of said in passing that like Fading Hope plus later blue suns twilighting the same like one drop is basically like playing fatal push only enough to play black so you like bounce their elf but then by the time they like replay their elf you can just blue suns twilight it so it's like you spent two cards but you're actually up the elf uh and then blue suns twilight is an insane card with mind splice apparatus and god eternal um so yeah the, the original version i had played was playing multiple choice if you guys remember that <laughs> oh hell yeah what is it? it? It has four different modes, but if you like X four or higher, then you get yes. all of them. Yes. So for yeah. So it's or like exactly it's a blue and X, and so if X is one, you get to scry one then draw. If X is two, your opponent gets to bounce a creature of their choice. Hmm. If X is three, you make a four four, and if X is four, you get to do all three. Um, so it is super sweet to flip to God Eternal Kefnet, but it's just so mid rangey. Like you could do that against, you know, whatever Grease Fang and just lose. You know, you just, they just bounce a creature they don't care about and then grease fang you or whatever. And they just grease fang you out of the game. Yeah, so it was a it was really awesome against red black. The card's unbeatable. Uh, if you if you just want to beat red black, you can play four multiple choice in your Kefnet deck. But against basically every other deck, it just didn't do enough. So I wanted to try um, more of like a divide by zero as your win condition and then full on mind splice apparatus. So we don't have as much draw on their turn. We do have grow spiral sensor and divide by zero. Uh, with a singleton behold the multiverse but we're only playing three god eternal um we're playing the full four saloon division uh because it basically finds all the cards that we want to find and you can you know like you have god eternal in play you reveal Auron's epiphany cast it for five then on your next turn cast it for real <laughs> that ain't no. not bad yeah, I mean, this has all sorts of powerful cards that I love playing. Uh, this is I'm definitely such, interested in trying this out. This is such a David's list. 
Plus, you have Balagad recovery. Again, three mana is just the perfect sweet spot for God Eternal Kefnet. You just buy back whatever you want for one. You, plus, you have the regrowth in your hand. Yeah, flipping a uh, Balagad uh, recovery off the God Eternal draw seems disgusting. So, yeah, these are just cards. I, I think the mid range is well, very well positioned right now. I've been having a ton of success with like slightly more aggressive mid range. These decks are both kind of going up the scale. They cannot kill very quickly but they're a little bigger than other mid-range lists might be. So that's the theory. Hmm. And that's always a good place to be if big if mid-range is getting popular. Uh, so definitely all worth considering. Well, uh, we have talked about a surprisingly huge swath <laughs> of things. Um, so we're looking forward to uh, coverage, I assume, of the Pro Tour coming up uh, on the Yep, starts so this Friday. Uh, yeah, whenever this episode comes out, probably Wednesday or Thursday this week, um, you'll be uh, just a couple days away from that modern Pro Tour. Very exciting. Uh, people like Everett Muon, uh, Aspiring Spike. People like uh, Gabe Deceif. Uh I don't know if Wafo Tapa's there. I know Canister isn't. Um, there's some surprising gaps in, in this modern Pro Tour, um, but that does speak to, uh, I think, in my opinion, a good adjustment within organized play of making the Pro Tour actually hard to get to after that first one was very, very, very... Uh, or the first... Um, uh, what are they? The RCQ seasons or RCs? The first RCs were very, very easy to get into. <laughs> uh, since that point, it's closed yeah. up a little bit. Um, and there are some surprisingly big names that don't have an invite. So um, for those who are there, congratulations just for getting your invite. I really do mean that. Uh, and then for those who do well in it, that's going to be very exciting to see. Um, both the people who are just great spikes who are able to analyze a metagame, pick the right deck and show up. And for, of course, the innovators, which we're always the most excited to see. Uh, the, the spike rogues of the, the world. Spike rogues of the uh, world, of the, of the pro-true world. Or, or maybe just the insane people, right? That are just like, normally I play good decks, but I'm inspired and I'm going to show up with something weird. Um, if you're one of those people, Godspeed. I hope to see you in the top eight, or at least the top 32. Uh, or at least on coverage for one moment, even if it's just round one. All right, gentlemen. Well, I will uh, talk to you after the Pro Tour. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I hope, uh, well, I hope at least some reality comes true, and I really hope I'm true. Uh, so if the Wandering ends up getting banned and you don't hear from me again, it's because I'm <laughs> hiding in shame because I've been arguing with literally everybody in Argentina about this. I'm like one against two. It's not getting so banned. If it gets banned and you can't find me, I'm just hiding in my own shame. It's kind of flavorful Bowmasters to get banned, is though. Closer. It's flavorful. It, Bowmasters is closer to getting banned than the One Ring yeah. is. Okay. It's, it will be yeah. super flavorful for the One Ring to be banned all of a sudden and someone's shoving copies into a mountain doom, <laughs> just into a volcano. Yeah. Well... From three different nations uh, all over the uh, Americas. <laughs> all uh, over the big America. Yeah, that's right. Good luck and good brewing. All right. Take care, boys. Good luck, everybody. Have a lovely day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Faithless Brewing. If you enjoyed this program, you can join our family at patreon.com slash faithlessbrewing. Your contributions help us bring you freshly brewed episodes every week, but they'll get you Discord access, show note access, merch, and so much more. That's all for today. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time. I just like hearing Mord say squirrel also. Squirrel. Very... Yeah, it's, it's a squirrel. It's a squirrel. A squirrel. <laughs> a squirrel. <laughs>